0: You are listening to the Break the Business Podcast. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week. Our guest on the program this week is a booking agent and the executive vice president at Bicoastal Productions. Our guest represents a large and diverse roster of worldwide touring music and theatrical performers, and you can find out more about his work by visiting www.bicoastalproductions.com. We are happy to welcome Jack Foreman onto the Break the Business Podcast. Hi, Jack. Hey, Ryan, thanks for having me, bud. Absolutely my pleasure. I am excited to have this interview. It is an important interview for us to do. As I was noting to you during the pre-interview, we don't have nearly enough booking agents on that program. And as I told you, it's not because we don't think you guys are super important because you are. It's just a consequence of the fact that my Rolodex of booking agents isn't as vast as it nearly should be. And so you are filling an important need, not only in general, but Particularly right now, we really need to hear from your sector of the industry, because of all the sectors of the music industry, Jack, the one that seems to be hit the hardest right now, particularly for the indie musicians that are listening to this show, is the live performance sector. So let me ask you, from the booking agent side, as someone who works so closely with artists and venues, can you kind of reflect on the status of the touring sector right now and and how it's affecting your work specifically?
1: Sure, right now when we record, uh, we're looking at a time of transition. If you would have spoken to me uh, a month or two ago, I would have had a lot different narrative for you. But uh, to be very honest with you, things are actually moving in a bit of a different direction now. Uh, I'm not going to say it's positive or negative, but they are moving. And with everything that's happening and with all the new developments in tech and in virtual concerts. and Uh, and social distance guidelines that are going to be for the venues that do open up in the coming months. You are going to see music take a return, but in a way that you may not have expected it to uh, when this all shut down several months back. So things are moving, and uh, the best thing we can do as agents and the best thing we can instruct our artists to do in this time is to stay busy and to keep pumping out content.
0: Well, and I'd love to hear some more advice from you about how artists can stay busy right now, because I think you're going to have a particularly valuable perspective on that. But first, I want to talk to you about what concerts are looking at. I want to continue pulling on that conversational thread that you created for us there, uh, particularly The emergence of virtual concerts, not that these things didn't exist before, but they're taking on a whole new meaning for independent musicians now. And for a lot of artists who maybe didn't make live streaming and virtual concerts part of their repertoire, they certainly are now. And let me ask you, as a talent agent, I never thought of virtual concerts being something that. Involved your profession? I just figured artists sort of opened up their uh, YouTube and flicked on a switch, and now they're uh, broadcasting to the world. Uh, are are booking agents uh, taking a role in this space?
1: You're absolutely right that it wasn't a field where we had much involvement, uh, largely because we didn't need to be and we didn't care to be because it wasn't something that directly affected our piece of the puzzle on the artist team. However, now it's a little bit more important that you have a lot more structure when doing things like this. There's a lot of rights involved. There's a lot of legalities involved with virtual streams. And when you add in ticketing, that's where you may want your agent to be advocating for you, which is something that we've started doing for more and more of our artists. Uh, As an industry, we've talked a lot about it in the various ways. There's all kinds of platforms that existed well before the crisis broke out. And those platforms are now at the forefront of how people are consuming their music from a live standpoint. Uh, Platforms like Stage It, uh, Veeps is a personal favorite of mine uh, and that's one that we've actually partnered with a little bit on kind of a non-exclusive affiliate friendly basis. It's a company that was started by Joel and Benji Madden from the band Good Charlotte. And we were working with them because they have created this amazing platform for artists to perform from virtually anywhere, whether it be in their living room, a soundstage or at an actual brick and mortar venue. Uh, and as theaters begin opening up, you may still see a number of them live stream the performance to a segment of the audience that may not have been able to buy a ticket because of social distance guidelines. Some of these venues are going to open up at half cap, quarter cap, third cap, whatever it's going to be. They're still going to want to account for that missing piece of their potential revenue. And a good way to slot that in is by maybe taking that segment of the house that you weren't able to ticket and taking as, as a virtual, Um, maybe instead of charging $50 for a, a seat that you would have paid to attend the show, you're paying $10 and you're getting to stream the show from your
0: living room. Well, that's interesting. We always sort of, many of us, I would say, have probably seen live performances as, as an either or proposition, right? You're either in a venue or you're virtual, and what you're saying is artists don't have to pick and choose. Now, you were talking about uh, this platform, Veeps. Now, I'm pretty familiar with StageIt, It, which was the first platform you've brought up. I think a lot of musicians are pretty well acquainted with it. It's been around for a while. Uh, what is Veeps? What makes them different?
1: Sure. Veeps is a play on the word VIP, and these two brothers, uh, Joel and Benji, they started this platform as a means of providing a better VIP experience solution for artists, Uh, where they're not having to give a significant commission to anybody for the service. It's just a way for them to uh, directly interact with their fans on a much more personal level that they can control on their own. Uh, And now for a time like this, where they offer a great ticketing platform and streaming platform for virtual performances, their success has boomed like crazy in the last few months And a number of artists are using it, and I was referred to them by a friend of mine uh, about two, three weeks ago, and I ended up hopping on a call with Joel Madden uh, about a week and a half ago, and he said, look, you know, I've got the artist part covered, but one thing that we're not spending quite as much time on, we are, you know, in it with festivals, but we're not approaching the smaller brick-and-mortar venues, uh, because, you know, we do want to account for them especially now where a lot of them are getting together to try to lobby Congress for additional aid with Neva, as I'm sure you're aware of. And, you know, we, we said to them, look, you guys may not be talking to venues all day, but that's exactly what we do. We talk to venues and promoters till we're blue in the face and to be able to come to them and say, you know, you can book our artists, but we're also here to support you in another way of presenting the show, especially if you have to kill part of your capacity, you know, let us, let us be a resource to you with our friends at veeps to offer you a great live streamed virtual concert solution where you're not having to go crazy with ticket fees and credit card fees. The artist gets to keep more money and the venue gets to keep more money, uh, which is a win-win for everybody. If the artist can be supported and the venue can be supported, I'm a happy man.
0: Oh, as am I. I like the idea of creating, using technology to create ways to keep, a lot of these smaller venues and, you know, even bars and clubs alive because they're suffering right now, right alongside the artists who would like to be playing in those venues. And, and this, you know, the solution with the work that you're doing seems like a great way to keep these uh, particular venues going. And I mean, the timing is great because I actually was just speaking with a venue, not that long ago, a small bar that was talking about, Oh, we want to start live streaming some of our shows. And, and you had brought up, you had brought up the legal issues that can be frequently encountered there. And they were just sort of like, well, why can't we just take the uh, cover band that's playing covers and, you know, have them, you know, why can't we just stream that? I mean, we already have our ASCAP and BMI license for the bar so we can live stream it too, right? And then I'm starting to sweat like, no, 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 there's it's more complicated than that. And so I can understand why... Um, an organization like yours can step in and sort of hold the venue's hand and, and make sure that they do everything uh, appropriately and uh, in a efficient fashion to uh, bring that physical live experience uh, out into the virtual world.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, I'm, I nor my colleagues at the company are not going to claim to be uh, brilliant IP lawyers. That's not what, what we are and what we do. However, we are there to look out for our artists. So, that's been something you're seeing a lot more of on all the industry webinars and all the conversations with people who do what we do is they're engaging these entertainment attorneys to say, well, you may have a blanket license with ASCAP, BMI, CSAC in your room, you know, your physical location. However, you're talking about virtual airways, especially if you're charging admission and if it's a cover band, that's a whole new set of uh, set of fun. Chances are (laughs) right now ASCAP and BMI are going to be a little bit more relaxed when an artist is trying to put their own, content out there but eventually they're going to have to do what they do in policing things for the best Uh, so you do want to be prepared you want to be careful that you're not stepping on any toes and that everybody is getting their their due Uh, an an attorney that we heard from recently he said it's kind of like the rules of preschool you know you if you if you want to play with somebody else's toys it's nice to ask permission and if they do let you play with their toys it's nice to say thank you (laughs) And if, if if they let you play with your if they let you play with their toys, it's nice to give them back in good condition. So it's very, you know, if you if you break it down that simple, it makes a little bit more sense. And uh, you know, even though it is a virtual venue, it's not necessarily the same venue that you grew up learning about.
0: Well, that's definitely been my experience as a lawyer dealing with PROs, these ASCAP BMI, CSAC type organizations. And I couldn't agree more with that sentiment that the more that you uh, ask permission and, and are nice about playing with their these uh, PRO's toys, as you say, the better experience for the venue and for the artists and all the people that want to use this intellectual property. So I appreciate your perspective there. Let's bring this back to the artists. Let's bring this back to the indie musicians that are listening to this right now, who are going through difficult times right now, particularly the ones who have depended on live performances to uh, make ends meet and now are... Uh, looking for other ways to stay busy and to keep themselves afloat. From your perspective as a booking agent who's worked with a bunch of artists, do you have any advice for what artists should be doing with their time right now to keep moving forward?
1: This is a unique opportunity. Uh, it's not in the it's not in the fashion that you'd want it to be for a total creative reflection period. But if you are able you know, and you have the means to spin it in that direction, you know, and you're able to put food on the table, which comes above everything in the world as an artist and as a human being use that time to create content, to go live, you know, go live in the simplest way, just to start, you know, you and I may have, you know, nice mics and mixers, but at the same time, a lot of, a lot of artists may only have a guitar and an iPhone and believe it or not, that's all you need to get things started. You know, as you, as you grow your base, you can build on that, but really use the opportunity. Just even if you're only performing for 30 people, that's still 30 people that now know who you are, that never heard you before and get involved with a local initiative. Since you can't really go out, since you can't go to venues, you can't network, you can't go to conferences. That's, which is really going to be something that's fun for us agents is having to miss an entire season of conferences and Um, that's going to be a bit of an adjustment. But participate. Participate on the industry conversation. There's a lot of free resources to follow what's going on uh, via the Grammy Foundation, via a lot of the different industry organizations. A lot of them are offering the advisory services for free. And if you remain in touch with it, you'll be able to emerge as the second wave takes its force. You just don't know what it's going to look like necessarily. But Getting out there, creating content, just using this time wisely—if you are able to—that's really the way that you come out of this, being ready. Just using it as kind of a a creative incubator
0: to set yourself up for uh, when when things uh, return back to some semblance of normalcy, being in a prime position to find that success. So, Jack, yeah. while while I have you here, and I'm and I'm extracting as much free advice from you as I can. I want to ask you the number one, you know, number one with the bullet all time question that indie artists ask me whenever it's in, uh, involves booking agents. And uh, I can I can just toss this the the overarching booking agent question to you right now, which I hear from all the indie artists, which is how do I get a booking agent, Ryan? How do I find these people? I've been told that they can uh, help me find gigs and. And help me sort of uh, expand my live performance operation. So now that I've heard the question, I'm going to bring it right to you. Jack, booking agent, how how does an artist get on your roster?
1: They have to be right for our roster. And if an incredibly talented and valuable artist comes along to us and they don't fit with the way we work and we're not able to rejigger our whole agency to fit them in, we will say no and they need to be prepared to hear no. Uh, if you're an indie artist, the word no needs to become your best friend, your partner, your <laughs> spouse, your everything because it's the second best answer of the three. Yes is obviously the best answer. My least favorite answer in anything is eh, we'll see or I don't know. You know, maybe. Maybe is the worst possible answer cuz no teaches you something. And for us, you know, we we get a lot of artists via referrals. I'm not going to lie. Very few artists that actually submit to us in the old fashioned sense end up on our roster. Most of the people that we represent were brought to us via referral or somebody that we met in passing or somebody that we approached. Um, But you never know. There may be some people that are developing that we really see something with and see a market for with what we do. You also need to make sure that the agent you're approaching is appropriate for what you do. You know, Don't don't be afraid to approach somebody that's big. You know, the, the only thing holding you back from talking to just about anybody in this industry is your own fear of doing so. People are here to talk. People are here to ask questions and listen to you speak, but you need to make sure that it's appropriate and you need to present yourself as absolutely best as possible. Like you'd be appearing on stage for 50,000 people. And if you're, if you're not ready for that, You either need to do the work or you need to be prepared to hear no and why. If somebody says no to you, the best thing you can say is thank you. Do you mind my asking what you're looking for? And I'm always happy to say that to somebody because that means that they're actually actually taking it and using the advice for something. Uh, I haven't been doing this as long as a lot of agents have. I'm still a younger guy, but at the same time, I like to think I figured out, who my people are, who my roster is, and how I can best serve them. If an artist approaches me and I think to myself, I am not your guy. I'm not the right agent to carry your career forward. You shouldn't be entrusting me with your life's work necessarily. I'll tell them no for that reason. So do your homework. You know, really when this is over, get back out there. You know, meet these people if you can. You know, go Go to where the big, if you want to catch a big fish, go to where the big fish swim and really meet them. You know, the best way to get on somebody's radar is to constantly be around them, not in an annoying way, but in a familiar way.
0: Well, in addition to an artist being a stylistic or philosophical fit with a particular agency and that factoring into the decision, what other elements of an artist are booking agents going to look at when deciding to bring on a client?
1: I really need to like them. I mean, I got to be a fan, you Mm -hmm. know, or else I'm not going to do anybody any service. Uh, Every so often, I'll bring on a show that's just a complete and utter passion project that I may not know what I'm going to do with it. About a year ago, uh, I became obsessed with this record that came out by an artist named Sly Fifth Avenue, and it was an orchestral salute to Dr. Dre, (laughs) completely different from anything I could ever represent and anything I'd ever represented in the past. But I was such a big fan of it, and the passion was there where... When I met with him, you know, he said, look, you're not, you're not the type of agent that I necessarily saw myself with, but let's give this a shot. And when I went to pitch him to people that I knew, I just, I had that, that excitement about me that people were able to see. Whereas if it's something that, you know, somebody hands me that I'm not really as jazzed about, but you know, I'll sell it as a, as a service to somebody, I'm not going to be as useful. Um, so I, I need to like something, you know, and most agents need to be a fan. You know, uh, when I was in, an intern in college working at the Windish agency, I remember one of my favorite things I ever did was I, I decided to kind of gather all my courage and approach Tom Windish, the boss, and ask him if I could interview him for my college project. Because he had to interview a manager, you know, and he's he's gone on to become one of the top agents at Paradigm. And uh, the first thing he said to me was, look, I only book artists I love. That's it. <laughs> and I've, that's probably the one thing that's resonated from that experience the most with me is only book artists you love, because if you don't, then people will tell within the first five minutes of meeting you.
0: Listeners, I encourage you to check out, uh, uh, coastal productions, the website there, uh, www.bicoastalproductions.com and, and look at Jack's profile and you can see, you know, the really diverse and interesting, uh, artist roster that he's put together and you can tell there's a lot of really fun passion projects there that must keep your work pretty exciting, Jack. Um, one last piece of advice uh, before we let you go, and I'm interested to hear your perspective on this one from your sector of the industry, and we definitely appreciate all the insight you've shared with us this episode. But uh, to close us out, do you have any last tips to share with the indie artist listeners out there to help them move their careers forward?
1: This is really for the, for the indie artist, this is your life's work. You know, this is your soul. If you're a musician, this is, this is everything that you hold dear to you and you're putting it out there, uh, for the masses. And that's frightening, no matter how large you want to want to go with it. You're going out there and it's scary and people appreciate that. The biggest thing that I can encourage anybody to take it with them as, I guess, a mentality and, you know, you can take this for whatever it's worth to you. I know it was worth a lot to me is that nothing's really out of reach. You just have to believe that you can kind of break through to that and no person, no label, no agent, no anything, you can't really have a fear of rejection reaching out to anybody in this current day. You know, if you want something, make sure you're ready and approach it. I can't tell you how many things I've been I've been keeping myself from doing until I actually do it and realize, you know, why not me? Why couldn't I? Why did I think I couldn't do that? So just always ask yourself the three words, why not me? You know, why not why not Jack Foreman? Why not whomever you are and say, why why am I not able to achieve that same success? It's because I'm keeping myself from it. That's really the only thing. You're the only person keeping it and if you get rejection, just remember, it's your friend. Rejection is your best friend, and um, you know if you if you can't see me, but uh, Ryan can see me. If you take one look at me, I, I got a lot of rejection in life. You know, when I was trying to meet my wife and when I was dating in college, and you get you get used to that, and uh, you make it your best friend. And I'm you know saying that lovingly because my wife is probably walking in the room any second. Um, but just just really, you know, take it seriously, but also sit back and remember why you're doing this. This is your this is your soul you're bearing, and don't be afraid to perform and approach business with it.
0: That's such great advice, and it's so important to hear. I, I got to tell you, Jack, in the course of doing this show for about five years, over the course of 200 some on episodes, I'm losing count at this point, I, I started to really develop a sixth sense for the kind of people I interview that really carry in their work a very high amount of love and passion, not just for the work that they do, but for the creators that they get to work with. And I'm absolutely getting that vibe from you right now. And it's allowed me to very much enjoy this conversation. So I appreciate your sh- you sharing your thoughts with us this week. And uh, please don't be a stranger. We'd love to have your perspective here a lot more often.
1: Great. Well, thank you so much for having me and uh, you know, stay safe, stay healthy and looking
0: forward to seeing you in person next time. Thank you so much. And thank you all for listening to the Break the Business podcast.